1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: If there was ever a song that should have played during the movie Tron, this is it.
0: Rider, motorcycle hero. He's looking so cute.
2: Tell me I'm wrong about that. This song could be in the movie Tron. It's futuristic. It's out there. It's Ghost Rider by Suicide off their 1977 self-titled album debut. And it's also number 441 out of 500 on the Spotify original The 500 with me, the King Cadougal, Josh Adam Myers. What is up, Fleece Army? Merry Christmas! What a weird record to be doing on christmas people were trying to post about it on twitter and i think their post got taken down because they kept saying suicide and the twitter people were like oh oh, we gotta get rid of that we can't have that on there yep it's suicide this week (laughs) i love saying that but thank you guys i mean it's the best christmas gift i ever got was having you guys join me each week as i go through rolling stone magazine's list of the top 500 albums man I love you guys so much. Let's do some Instagram stories, everybody. If you listen to The 500, I want you guys to do a 500 christmas theme Instagram story. Show us how you're listening to The 500. If you've been listening since day one, just show us, man. Do something creative. Take a picture of you holding up five fingers in front of your Christmas tree. Tag me at Josh Adam Myers. Tag at The 500 Podcast. And then put a hashtag Fleece Army, just nice and clean. Give us that 24-hour ad on your Instagram on Christmas Day, on the day after Christmas, on the day after. Whichever day you guys do it, I could give a shit. Just show everybody you love. I mean this from the bottom of my heart, everybody. I hope everybody's having a fantastic Christmas. I hope you're around people that you love. I hope you are excited for 2020. I know I am. I know we've got some great guests coming up. So, yeah, man, just, just be appreciative of what we got today because this, you know, dude, we get to listen to Suicide. And talk about it on Christmas. I wonder if anybody's actually like, all right, let me get ready for the day. All right, put on suicide. Jesus Christ. All right, let's find out a little bit about the record. Released in December 1977 and produced by Marty That and Craig Leon, this is the debut album by the New York Minimalist Electronic Rock, Synth Punk, Synth Pop New Wave duo of Alan Vega and Martin Reb. Vega and Rev first met in the late 60s. Vega was a visual artist and sculptor at the downtown New York Public Arts-funded workshop, The Projects of Living Arts, and Revs was a veteran of several avant-garde jazz ensembles. After Vega saw Iggy Pop and the Stooges in concert in 1969, he was so inspired to perform, but was scared shitless about being on stage. However, one night while watching Martin Rev playing with his jazz-funk fusion group, Alan Vega found himself inching closer to the stage, eventually grabbing a tambourine and feverishly playing along. Afterward, Rev turned to Vega and said, we're gonna do something together. I've had those moments, had that with Angelo, had it with Avery, had it with Sickler. It's great when you have those kind of connections, you just know it. Then, in 1970, shortly after starting a trio with a soon-to-depart guitarist, the two restarted from scratch with limited funds and limited venues for exposure. Martin Rev bought a $10 Japanese keyboard, and after running it through a bunch of bass and treble-boosting processing pedals to jack up the limited volume, it gave them a uniquely huge musical noise. Over the loud electronic wall of sound, Alan Vega spoke, sang, and screamed improvised lyrics inspired by his 50s rocker heroes like Elvis Presley, Eddie Cochran, and Gene Vincent. The duo started playing shows with early glam and proto-punk bands like the New York Dolls. Dressing like arty thugs, they were immediately polarizing. According to Vega, we started getting booed as soon as we came on stage. Just from the way we looked, they started giving us hell already. By 1975, Martin Rev added a primitive hybrid keyboard-slash-drum machine to his setup that he nicknamed The Instrument, which gave their songs a bit more articulation and shape. However, their loudly chaotic mix of menacing, repetitive synthesizer throbs, white noise and reverb-drenched whispers, and yelping, still drove their audiences into fits of violence. Sometimes, Alan even locked the doors to trap their enraged audiences in and further build the tension. During their confrontational shows, they were regularly pelted by bottles, coins, ashtrays, shoes, fists, and once in Glasgow, Scotland, they even had an axe thrown at them. That is awesome. After seven years of that, they got signed to independent punk pioneering record label Red Star Records and put out this debut. While their recorded songs were easier to hear as well as to listen to, their unique experimental sound frequently became known as no wave due to the rejection of all conventions of popular music. You think? Unsurprisingly, this record didn't chart at all or sell well. I think I have the only copy of it, to be honest. However, the influence from this and the further records was monumental to punk synth and industrial artists like Nine Inch Nails, Daft Punk, New Order, Depeche Mode, Radiohead, Devo Stevo, and even U2 and Bruce Springsteen. Vega and Rev continued to make music and art for decades after, both together, alone, and with various collaborators. Sadly, on July 16th of 2016, Alan Vega died in his sleep at the age of 78. His death was announced by punk rock legend and radio host Henry Rollins, and he was publicly mourned by the countless musicians who were influenced by him. And my guest today was not influenced by this band at all. The one and only Fahim Anwar, guys. Fahim is one of my closest friends and who I consider to be, and I know they say this a lot, but I mean this, one of the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. New York Times named Fahim most promising future star. He's got an hour special on Amazon called There's No Business Like Show Business. He is one fourth of goatfaced on Comedy Central and the host of the podcast Fahim Anwar Dance Hour on Spotify and all podcast, podcast and all podcast platforms. Let's see what I did there. But Fahim is, is honest to God. The only person that I could have thought of to do this record Because I couldn't find anybody for suicide This was a tough one to get And I know he likes dance music So I was like, yeah man, let's just fucking dive right in And let's see what gets cooked up in the jumbo Is that what it's called? Gumbo Close enough Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on Spotify or anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. That's where all the ish kabibble and doodledangs are hanging out about the show. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go. We're at number 441 out of 500 with Suicide by suicide. For He-Man Wall, for He-Man Wall, for him, He-Man Wall, for He-Man Wall's a comedian. <laughs> I, I don't know how to. There's no melodies on this I, I, record. I, I, was I don't the album for a second. <laughs> You're like, is that track 12? Whoa! I didn't know who had track 12. I only went to seven. So I I listened to this record and I I was like, all right, who the fuck do I get for Suicide? And yeah. then after doing some reading, found out this is like early electronic. I knew you would listen to electronic. So you've never heard of Suicide? No, before never. me. Yeah asking you to listen to this. Yes. All right, you so, sent me
1: a hyperlink. And I'm like, let's see what we got.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I was like, if, dude, this, I was like, there, are, are there are, no melodies? Check. <laughs> Weird lyrics? Check. I was like, who could riff on this the best? It's Fahim Anwar. But you actually like dance music, right? I do,
1: yeah. Like, uh, when people say, what do you like? I would say, it's hard to explain, but I would say it's under the electronica umbrella. But electronica, <laughs> yeah. Look, there's so, there's so many genres under that, like, like EDM and shit. So like, I don't like the beach ball tent David Guetta cash grab, like Vegas pool party. Do do Like if there's fog during the song, I'm not into it. So if I if I can predict, if I'm hearing a song and I'm like, oh, this is when the gas will blow. Yeah. This is when they get like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I'll just hear a break and be like, oh, this is when they missed everybody so, in Vegas.
2: So like if I got into your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if I got into your car right now and you turn the car on, the, the radio immediately starts playing. It's just the rhythm of the no, night. But, I mean, that's classic 90s. Night. That's like super oh, yeah. sugary pop. Like, Don't shit
1: on that. But you know what's great? What? What, uh, what I'm surprised has stood the test of time is like Robin S.'s Show Me Love. That's from how it's like. Is not, that the one that goes like, like,
2: "Show me love." Yeah, because just j- you know, well that
1: drop because no matter you know what's 2019 right now, 2020, depending on when you're listening to this, <laughs> but you'll be at the club. You know, it's all like young millennials and even the next generation, and they'll drop that. <laughs> do, 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 people lose their mind, even though that's such an old. Like sugary nineties dance track. Oh, that's But one that's Robin like, S. Show Me yeah, Love. Yeah, dude. It, I'm amazed at how Wait, there's there's I'm a wait, ship, I'm kind of
2: is. confused because there's two of them. There's one you're thinking of the one that's ah, oh, if you want yeah, yeah. to show it. Show me love. love. And words
1: was good. Thank
2: you. <laughs> and then Robin S. actually is like, Show me love and what it's all about.
1: Oh, I don't know that one. I'm talking about Robin S. There's two of them? You're just talking about Robin.
2: All right, so you listen to Robin David. S.
1: predates Robin. That's why I came on here. I'm going rogue. <laughs> Fuck suicide. Wait, we gotta talk about
2: the record. No, we're going no. rogue. We're breaking down yeah, yeah. Robin
1: S. Not, not even Robin S.'s <laughs> album. Just this one song. Like, like I gotta expunge on this for an hour and a half, Josh. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah. I got time. I mean, I cleared my schedule. I was, hold I, on. I wasn't Call expecting my 4 o'clock I, with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tell him I'll be.
1: I wasn't expecting you to be as on board with this. As I was expecting some resistance. I um, mean,
2: you listened to this album, didn't you? Yeah, Suicide. I, I, so, I mean, then you know that it's like there's only so much we can talk about. True. Uh, but... As I was
1: listening to it, though, I can, it's, it's almost like here's. The genesis of it, I think. Like, I think maybe they got this new software or this new hardware, and they were so excited with these sounds that were coming out of it. Yeah, and their excitement out of these new tones and everything uh, superseded songwriting. They're just like, bleep, 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 bleep. oh my god, this sounds like a motorcycle. Like,
2: yeah,
1: uh, okay, we're finished because <laughs> nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing like it had maybe come before it. Like I don't the think tones so. were so new, sure. that that they're not trying to craft like a uh brian wilson you know pet this, sounds or something it's is sort of like this is so futuristic it's finished
2: it's almost like not just what you're saying but it's like all right so we we've, we've been listening to like elvis and we've been listening to the velvet underground and all of these rock bands and they're like how can we make this dark electronic mm-hmm. that's what i got from this but before we get into this week's episode let's talk a little bit about sonos for the holidays if you're wondering what to get your friends and family for the holidays, or you just want to have that holiday party blowing up, kid, the brilliant sound of Sonos is the answer for you. Play all your favorite holiday jams with a new home theater system. I put Sonos into my life about a year and a little, little under a year ago, and it's made everything better. I have speakers in every room. I've got the subwoofer, so does that woof. I've got the Sonos Move, which is incredible because you can move the speaker wherever you want and it sounds better than every other portable speaker on the market. It's insane. The clarity, the bass, I love it. Plus, they've got speech enhancement mode. It's a new, unique feature that clarifies the sound of the human voice. Perfect for when characters whisper on television or if the action intensifies. Turn it on in the Sonos app and never miss a moment of the story. Or play all your favorite holiday jams when the TV is off. And guess what? Sonos works with Spotify and all the other streaming services. And you can also wirelessly connect all your speakers to create your perfect sound system. It's the perfect gift. The gift of crystal clear sound. Go to Sonos.com to complete your holiday shopping. And now, back to the gushplooky. So right, just let's jump into it. So our, our album is number 441 out of 500. It's the debut self-titled studio album by Suicide, released December 1977, produced by Craig Leon and Marty Thau. So I don't know if you had the same experience as I did. So let me hear, like, what was your first thoughts of listening to this album?
1: So I mean, the first track out the gate um is actually I think the most accessible track uh it's not that out there, like when I listen to it, it sounds like a precursor to maybe maybe future dance music or electronic music because it has that top layer it has it just sounds like it needs some drums, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of drums,' just very repetitive hooks. The whole album I thought was. <clears throat> was very reminiscent of uh like I still hear those tones in some music today, you yeah. know, so I can see how it's groundbreaking in that way. But it's so repetitive. Each track it's just one or two loops.
2: Yeah, there's no the whole album I'm waiting for something to drop.
1: Yeah, there's no movement in the song. There
2: is no movement. There's no drops. It is what you get at the beginning of the at al- the beginning of the song is what you're getting for the next three and a half minutes. There's yeah. no surprises.
1: And they'll do so maybe lyrically with some surprises. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. And just throw like a, like an echo yeah. filter on <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you get audio software and you're like, What do, what do all these buttons do? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's like they got this module as a Christmas gift and they're just flipping all these switches and they go Oh, this makes me sound like a robot. Cool. <laughs> and they're like, Keep
2: it. Craig, you've got to hear this new yeah, modulator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be right there, Marty. Totally. Craig, hurry up, buddy. Or when
1: you know, everyone goes through that phase in middle school where they're like, "I'm gonna make beats." <laughs> like everyone thinks they're Dre when they're 12. For some reason, they're like, "I've got it in me, dude. I, I've got all this untapped potential."
2: Uh, you know, I was- Fruity
1: Loops. Let me download Fruity Loops from LimeWire or some shit,
2: dude. I, you know, I, I've talked about this before, but I was in an all-Jewish hip-hop group called The With me, my buddy Paul, my buddy Mike. Oh my god, you were in The I was, I was a, huge sh- You're a huge had, fan. you a huge fan? your Do you have Sergeant Buddha's Smokey Club oh, Band, course. our fourth album? Yeah. What about just Shackles, self-titled?
1: Oh, that's a deep cut. I don't the- have that one Yeah, You don't? No. I've got all the cassettes oh, really? up in a cabinet up here. Actually, I'll my show- car's full. I don't need those <laughs> <laughs> but then I'm a huge fan, and I'm like, I don't have a room in my car. Thank you I for just,
2: for a cassette. Yeah,
1: I it's just it's too big. I'm but really... it's
2: small, dude. There's nah, small I went to IKEA
1: and I'm really packed to the brim. But thank you, dude. Okay, just like send me a link.
2: But I remember what that was like when we got that beat disc. We, we found this beat disc, uh-huh. and then we got. Then we were like, wait, we we can put, we can take the keyboard and and put the beat disc on the CD player, yeah. and then play it. Put a microphone through, and then put that up to the speaker of the keyboard, and then we'll we'll like play. Somebody will play yes. the melody. But then also we'll rhyme, so we had to rhyme like with our mouth, like on the speaker of the keyboard, holding the mic, so we could get the beat disc and make it all loop. And you literally feel like I mean, at one point we it's felt exciting. We felt like we were creating Sergeant Peppers. Yes. Like that's why we called one of yeah. our albums our most experimental record. We called that Sergeant Buddha's Smoky Bon <laughs> Club Band. And that's got our probably, like, our fucking Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. the 2,000-year-old uh, man. I got to find a way, people, all you cadougals out there, I'm going to find a way, Felice Army, to get get the shekels transferred onto the computer so I can get, bless the world with it. It's so yeah,
1: horrible. You should just trick a guest and be like, this is number 137, listen to the album, <laughs> let me know what you think about it. <laughs> They're like, this is dog shit. Like, this is on the list.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I wouldn't say that. I, I think they were trying to find their stride. And...
2: <laughs> Alright, so, so th- these are my thoughts on this record. So, I don't know if I like this record, but I definitely respect it. I feel the same way. Um, I don't I, hate this album. They, they don't, they hate, there's no hate. I don't this hate, is something yeah. that, that, once again, it's funny how something can go from ugh to okay
1: here's what i okay people go into music with different uh intentions i guess the reason i listen to music is because i want i don't want to think about it
2: you want to dance yeah or
1: i just want it to bypass i'm already a heady guy i already think about stuff when i hear music i just want it to like speak to my soul and i don't even know what i'm doing or i'm feeling a certain way because i'm not even thinking about it an album like this it's like a painting you've got to stand sure. in front of it you got to look at it you're thinking about this wow. album. You're not feeling this album. No,
2: I I, could... I, wow, you, you you, basically said what, what I was thinking. Because, like, the first time I listened to this, I thought, oh, shit, we have another PIL, which was a record we did a little bit earlier, Public mm-hmm. Image LTD, and I hated that. I hated that album, the first listen. I hated it, the second listen. But I, as the host of the show, want to make sure I'm giving these albums the respect that they deserve. So I, I'll listen eight, nine times yeah. until I find what is good and why this album is on the list. And I remember... Waking up one morning after the eighth listen to P.I.L. and being like, this is the greatest album ever made. I went from hating it Whoa. to, like, this is this is like punk rock bitches brew. Um, I did not like this record on the first pass, but on the fourth, I really started to respect it. And that was also when I realized that this record came out in 1977, which to me was, like, a big deal.
1: Yeah, given context, exactly. I think you respect it more. Yes. Because you, if you're judging it with 2019 goggles... Oh, it's There's terrible. So, so it's, it's it's evolved it, so much you can't even compare it. Well,
2: what it's evolved into, and this is why I respect it, is is it's evolved into nine inch nails. Totally. It's evolved into the gorillas. Mm. It's evolved into I'd say, you know, any industrial like rock ministry sure. or, or like
1: was oh, it Geffelstein? Is like that's
2: uh, Guztight. I mean <laughs> no, no, Geffelstein is a, yeah, like
1: he's sort of Because um, I like dancing, like disco house and French touch and stuff like that. But Geffelstein I still fuck with that, or or, um, or like even Justice, where it's yes. darker, yeah. dance, side chains, um, you know? So
2: yeah, so I looked at it in the bigger picture of this there are none of these great goth great industrial great bands that are out now that are changing music and are making these incredible things especially if you watch the watchmen you can hear how brilliant how brilliant fucking trent reznor is Mm. and i I wouldn't be surprised if you asked trent reznor what's one of his biggest influences and he says it's 100 percent suicide So I don't think this is uh, a record that I'm going to listen to possibly ever again. Yeah, It might, like I'll take my one track, put it on my playlist of all the greatest songs that I've gotten from this, but this is a cool record. This is cool. Like that is that is one thing I will give it. This is different. This is cool, and I don't know if I like it, but I definitely respect it.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way about it. All
2: right, well, let's dive into actually the tracks. Let's get into this because I got some fun stuff we're going to talk about. All right, so the album opens <laughs> with your favorite song, motorcycle. Uh, it's called Ghost Rider. Oh, sorry, I, you, well, yeah. I call it motorcycle because it, it sounds like motorcycle. goes, "Boom! Wow!" All right, play uh, the first verse. Ghost Rider, motorcycle hero. are looking so cute. Here are my buzzwords to describe this song: uh, minimalist, electronic, synth punk, maybe even rockabilly.
1: Oh yes. And there's another track on the album there that is. feels very rockabilly. I'm like, Oh I, with guitars and yeah, it just sounds like it was ported into dance music or, or electronic music. So
2: I love that you said you called it motorcycle because that like as soon as I heard him go, A motorcycle, motorcycle, A mo- motorcycle, mo- <laughs> motorcycle how about gold So, uh, like we said before, this wasn't a bad song. I was just waiting for the drop because I love when there is a fucking drop. Everybody knows, all my canoogles out there know I love the drop. Now, this is about Alan Vega. His favorite comic book character was Marvel's skull and fire motorcyclist, anti-hero, Ghost Rider. And so the band actually got their name from an issue of Ghost Rider titled Satan's Suicide. And this really is a great introduction to Suicide because, uh, like the leather-clad Gloss Rider, they were clearly influenced by, like who we said, Elvis Presley. Uh, some of their other influences were people like Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran. Now, uh, which makes sense because uh, Vega's live act uh, – I found this little quote I thought was really cool. Uh, people describe Alex – Vega's live act as Elvis Presley on PCP and Edgar Allan Presley. Like that (laughs) is Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah. So, not bad, but all right. So, speaking that he's obsessed with comic books and you're kind of known as this uh, nice guy. I mean, that's one thing I I can say. That's the
1: worst label, to in comedy because when someone (laughs) says nice guy, you're like, oh, not very funny, (laughs) huh? You're you're hysterical. (laughs) He's, He's so
2: nice. Well, I mean,
1: no, nah, whatever. Yeah, I I'm mean
2: right. Ghost Riders is angry. Yo, fuck dude. you,
1: dude. <laughs> I'm I trying mean, to change my thing.
2: Ghost Riders is angry guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there's one person in the comedy scene that could say anything other than Fahim is hysterical. Uh huh. Thanks. He's a genius. Well, that's nice. And then, and then, three that he's one of the nicest guys in comedy. Yeah,
1: yeah I'm the Tom Hanks of comedy. You
2: are. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That was perfect. Why? What are you trying to pull? Like, why are you so nice? <sighs> I'm not I'm not I
1: don't know there's different layers of nice here in Hollywood you know what I mean sometimes you'll get genuinely nice people and then you'll get like veneer nice where you're like what's your angle it's like a smile but there's something demented behind it like I see the mask yeah uh for me I don't know I'm just like a positive person and I I just like I don't know how I think you should treat everyone the way you would want to be treated and the way you treat someone shouldn't change depending on what they can do for you in this town, that's so, so much easier said than done because, I don't know, not everyone has that same view.
2: You know what I mean? Oh, not at all. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I always feel like if you're friends with everybody, you're a sociopath.
1: You don't like, have to be like, look, I'm not best friends with everyone, but I'm not cordial. It, like, it's not hard to be cordial with everyone. And sometimes here in this town, I guess everyone's so threatened because they want to climb career-wise. Um, they just, they'll just, like, shit talk. Like, you can have your opinions, but keep them to yourself or have a very close friend or confidant yeah, that you, you can kind wh- of talk shop <laughs> some people just like spew that so freely yeah. and it's like you're setting your house on fire like well, there's no upside to doing that
2: well that's all that's they're just angry they're angry at the world if they can't keep it in and they're telling it to people that are just like rando comics yeah. that or or actors or whoever in this profession I mean that's just they're, they've, they're just at a point where they just can't take it and they don't have the awareness that not everybody feels that way sure I, I also look at it with, with not just being nice because I'm nice to everybody, but I'm not friends with everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I always, like when I said sociopath. I just I see certain people, and I'm just like, how are you best friends with everybody? That's the angle you were talking about the veneer. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. way you can be best friends with sure. everybody and you hang out with everybody. How? I don't have that time. I don't. It's not even just time. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm I have so many neuroses and fucking self-doubt like about everything in life that if like I just like I, I can hang out with like two, like maybe two people yeah that's all I got yeah all right let's jump into the next song the next song uh rocket USA now I actually like uh this song a lot uh because I love these weird noises that uh Vega makes during the instrumentals uh Peter play two two nine Tuesday Tuesday <laughs> It's like he has Tourette's. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like in the middle of the song, he's like, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has like rock Tourette's. <laughs> I mean, he's feeling <laughs> it. He's feeling it. He says, <laughs> "Yeah,
1: that'd be a great cover, right? You just have Tourette's. And you're like, all right, let me grow my hair out. Let me get like a blouse and a
2: necklace. I'm and the get, Sa- you get all this pussy when before you weren't like you're just the guy with Tourette's. But now s- you have rock Tourette's. <laughs> the Samuel J. Comro of uh, goth goth punk." Uh, the only way I can describe this song is nervous, nervously ambient. Uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, you have – what are those – they sound very
1: reminiscent of the time. that Those um, – is it the organ? The organ piano? Yeah, I
2: think – I'm almost positive that might have been like a – I'm going to fuck this up. and something when a fan's going to fucking – come at me it could have been like a Rhodes keyboard Uh, it's it's like an organ yeah it's (laughs) just a regular that's what's cool about this record is that they're mixing these synthesizer beats and just like we said like the new technology of 1977 yet they're still using like these little you know like they're using a a, like an organ Mm. so this song is about suicide by speeding car crash but because it Also includes USA, it could be about how the country, oh, I like this, was on the road to destroying itself as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in it, Vega references being a TV star's car. Um, So a really positive song. Yeah, And I hope the listeners (laughs) don't mind. All right, now we've come to what I want to call, and this is going to be tough to call it that, the ballad of the album, Cherie. Now this one was about uh, a girlfriend of Vegas. It's actually pretty romantic. Mm-hmm. It really is. If you if you break it down to what it is, it's it's cute. It's a little dark techno ditty about being in love. Peter, play that piece of shit.
0: Oh, baby. I love
2: you. I love you, baby. This is like a goth wedding song. Totally. You know what I mean? Here, play it again real quick. Do you take Star Child <laughs> to be your lawfully wedded wife, Dark Matter? I do. <laughs> okay, this is a Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, wow. Oh. All right. Um. Could you imagine if he wrote this and like played it for a girl? Like after only like three dates, it's a very you know specific know I mean? girl. Would be He's innovative. like, yeah, 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 yeah. "Dark matter, Ravenclaw. You have to, <laughs> you have to listen to the song I wrote about you, Ravenclaw." <laughs> and, I, yeah, even the beat on it—it it sounds like a metronome. You know,
1: just a testament to kind of how prehistoric the—I don't know—the percussions are on this
2: album. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I like, actually. I actually really liked it. I, I I hate that I called it a piece of shit because I didn't mean that. And I do love the Orvin riff over those little twinklies at the end. Um, some of the lyrics in this song are, are very simple. He's just he's saying love over and over, but he also keeps saying comic book fantasy. Uh, what superpower would you want
1: for the longest time? Yeah, I wanted to be like Wolverine when I was a kid, but that's all personality driven. Now that I'm older, you know, as I got older, I kind of realized. Everyone just wants to be Wolverine personality-wise, just not giving a fuck. Lone you wolf, be a loner. Just yeah, just out like I don't need anybody. And like he, he get he, away from me. Like, yeah, and, and, yeah. In the comic books, he's always cool. The way he's portrayed. Yeah, but from a pure uh, superpowers standpoint, not that great. Right? Heals fast. That's has, pretty dope. Has adamantium skeleton. All right, that's a strong steel. Can smell really good. But he
2: just has claws. What do you mean? Like, he can, like, he can just go, uh, polo, raffler, and cl- Lauren, <laughs> like, Fro- Fro- polo Fro- sport. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he smells like, he, st- he starts smelling like polo sport. I think he can just or smell oh, he can smell farther. with his nose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I thought. You, you thought it was like a was Persian like, superhero like, where it like, just Grr! exudes so <laughs> much. Aqua <di Gio." laughs>
1: He never has to buy cologne. Can just, no, he's
2: just like.
1: <laughs> yo, what a lame superpower. Dragar Noir. You can just yeah. smell however you want to
2: smell. He's like, periwinkle sunset. <laughs> Michael Jordan Cologne. <laughs> well, I right, but you have a superhero though. Yeah. You're what? you're Lance Canstopoulos. You know, some some might say
1: we look alike.
2: So know, so tell me tell me about who Lance Canstopoulos is. <sighs> Lance
1: is I would do stand up at the comedy store as this guy. Um has a mullet, wife beater, tucked into some jeans, some acid wash jeans. He was kind of like an amalgam of every 80s archetype. Good word, dude. Amalgam. Jesus Christ. That's that
2: fucking Boeing <laughs> fucking <laughs> job yeah. in your
1: brain. The only thing that I left with. Amalgam. amalgam. <laughs> Thanks for the degree, Dad. Amalgam. <laughs> and then I lit it on fire. <laughs> Won't be needing this. Uh, yeah, he was like, in my CK1, mind. CK-1, <laughs> go! He was like Swayze, Van Damme, and like kurt russell and mel gibson all in one he's just 80s machismo and so yeah i started doing stand-up as this guy and it was just fun to kind of be someone else other than me and not have to rely there's no material it's just crowd work
2: it's great yeah it's great if anybody's if there's some videos that's online
1: youtube lance can't stop all this
2: is that your is that your superhero though i mean do you think that's like because it's purely
1: accidental it was not it wasn't premeditated but I mean, you can analyze it after the fact. You but know. he
2: is—he is. I mean, it—it it was. I always used to say, this, me and Angelo." It was like the reason me and Angelo were such good friends was because I—Angelo had everything that I wanted, mm-hmm. and I had everything Angelo wanted. The yeah. cool, the fucking, the not give a fuck attitude—that was what Ange wanted, and I wanted like his brain, like yeah, that genius yeah. that what was a, inside I, of him. I love and space that, and that loving, that love that he had for the world and for everything. And and in a sense, now it's like I feel like I'm I'm. I've, I've been able to mix that together, but did you feel like creating Lance was like, what, was it just like, oh, this would be fun and ridiculous, or this is this is the guy that, like... I wish I could be
1: or yeah. something. No, it was accidental. I, you remember Willie Hunter used to have that Willie Hunter show in the his talk show in the main room? So he asked me to dance on it, just to dance, like, as a musical number, as yeah. me, and I'm like, that's weird, just as me to dance for this. But then I had done a sketch with Melissa Villasenor back in the day called called Dirty
2: Breakin'. which is so good. It's one of my favorite sketches. Watch it, everybody. If anyone's listening,
1: please YouTube Dirty Breakin' and maybe type my name in Fahim Anwar. It's like one of my proudest sketches. (laughs) Yeah, so I look like this guy. So visually he existed. We created him just for that sketch. And I was like, I'll dance on your variety show as this guy because I feel like that's... That makes more sense than just me as me dancing on a show, because it's more absurd, just like you know, and it's funnier just to see this guy visually dressed like a, with a mullet and yeah, you dancing up.
2: to Robin S. Yeah, <laughs> not as funny, but
1: but but Lance. So I dance.
2: Shoop, then... go. <laughs> Sorry, I just I keep doing the clone things. Just called call back the fragrances. <laughs> so and I finish... one pops in my head. I like, <laughs> I have to
0: say it.
1: And then uh, this is like when the comedy store was dead. No one was going around there. And so I had finished in the main room and I'm just like wandering around the hallway, still dressed like this. And Bretton Biddlecombe comes up and he's like, hey, no one's in the OR. You want to open mic? He's like, do you want to you go up? I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm still dressed like this. And I'm like, I can't go up there and talk like this. And be you, yeah. Yeah, it would make no sense. So then it was just like a snap decision where I'm like, okay, I've got to do an accent for it to kind of make sense. So I'm up there. There's maybe like four or five people in the crowd. And I'm doing, I'm doing it. and it's, And it's getting this other kind of laugh.
2: A guttural. Guttural. It's yeah. sort of I
1: always describe it like when you're growing up with your brothers and sisters or your friends, it's this childlike laughter where you don't have to think about a lot of comedy nowadays, you know, as you get older, you're like, Oh, I see what he did there. Oh, that's clever. You know? But just that sleepover type gut busting laughter yeah. where it just cuts through thinking. It's sort of the same way that I enjoy music I mentioned earlier where I just want to feel it and not think about it. This is kind of like that. Where it won't even be a joke; it'll be a look, or it'll be especially because it's crowd work. It's so now and in the moment. There's no smoke and mirrors or facade, and it, 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 there's something exciting about it too. Where people anything can happen. Anything can happen, and people know this isn't like written or premeditated. It's kind of just for here and now and fleeting, and that just leads to the kind of giddiness of it. Yeah. So that planted the seed, and then I. It's still scary to do because it's just. Uh, you know it's a whole new thing so i would i did it maybe 3 months later and then s- sporadically and then i started doing it like every week i would do it saturday at midnight yeah and, and then you really start to hone the characters you do it more regular and then it just kind of turned into this thing where it was really exciting and it was fun and comics would rush into the room to catch it just and it was fun for me too cuz i would do stand up as me and you know i'm successful as, as me and yeah, I, there's yeah. a there's a place for that and i like bits but there's something exciting about just oh i just got to show up tonight all, yeah. all I got to do is just be. As long as I am Lance and living in the moment and as the character, that's the win. Yeah. You don't have to have the most brilliant bit in the world. It's like, are you living the character? Yeah. Yeah. Then you've won.
2: Oh, hundred percent. Oh, I love that. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen the what was it called, the one with you and Melissa, uh,
1: "Dirty Breakup"? It's
2: it's brilliant. It's Lance's it's...
1: voice didn't exist yet, so that yeah. was just like me talking like me. But if you if you, you had a podcast, it,
2: right? He did Lan- Yeah, didn't he, had a a he had a short he had a short lived <laughs> podcast
1: called but "It's on All Things Comedy." It, it was, it was <laughs> called. Um, uh, Lance podcast list <laughs> <laughs> with Lance Kansapolis. Oh, so brilliant. there's a few episodes of that.
2: Check it out; it's yeah. so great. All right, uh, let's go into Johnny Track Four. Now, this is just a pretty standard rockabilly progression, but Vega uh, tells this short story of Johnny, a tough guy who cruises the night looking for Gush Blookie. Play the intro. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I thought of, I was like, "Is is this the music from the original Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> because is this what this band is doing? Are they just are they just like they're dude? They were the the they created the music for Tekken. Yeah. Like, have yeah. you ever selected
1: a character? <laughs> you you owe Suicide so much. Have you ever tried to unlock a new racetrack?
2: Oh my god! It's so. I can't not. After I thought that, mm-hmm. I cannot hear the rest of yeah. this record. And I didn't want to drop this at the beginning <laughs> yeah. because I wanted to wait oh, till we like, got to this song. I can totally
1: picture a gorilla putting his fist up <laughs> and then a go kart <laughs> rotating.
2: <laughs> yes. Somebody <laughs> just threw like a shell. Like, <laughs> you're an 80s baby, right? Yeah. What were your favorite video games growing up? Uh, let's see. Well, I had the original
1: NES, so Super yes. Mario's sure Mario, Mario loved
2: it. Did you ever have a Power Pad? <sighs> oh no, my buddy. We did. had a Power oh, Pad where you can play track and field. Oh my God, it sucked. Dude, that must be balls, like a,
1: a bacteria haven. <laughs> yeah, Just <dude>. every every <laughs> ten year old's juicy feet have been <laughs>
2: on that thing. <laughs> I mean, they all got syrup on them for yeah. some reason. Ugh. I love that you called kids' feet juicy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no, have I revealed my hands? <laughs> <laughs> So like, you find out I'm a pedophile, go go like, yeah, these kids' his feet are so juicy. <laughs> nice. You ever, you ever go on TikTok and then you just feel like Chris Hansen's gonna be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing on TikTok? <laughs> oh, I, just, I just want to dance some videos. <laughs> sure you do. I have, and then your phone auto-dials nine one
2: one. What the fuck's no. going on? I just want to see some juicy feet. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, Super Mario. Anything off of the original NES. I loved uh, Ninja Gaiden. Remember Ninja Gaiden? Oh, yeah. I loved Ninja oh remember Gaiden. the Michael
1: Jackson game on? Uh, was Moonwalker? I remember Moonwalker because Sega Moon- had their competition to the NES. I forget what it was called. The Genesis. It, Sega no, Genesis. No, that's the Next Generation.
2: No, then I don't remember that. All, all there I was
1: one is, before Genesis.
2: I I, I call bullshit because I I would have known. No, bro. there is there was
1: a game called. Uh, yeah, I don't
2: know. We, but, had, we had, I remember it went... Was
1: Shinobi? Maybe Shinobi was on did it. Did
2: that, that was, no, Shinobi was on NES. Well, Shinobi maybe these like,
1: are like uh, the next iterations of them.
2: Because S- Sega Genesis was the one that dropped, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. That oh, yeah, when that, that, that came changer, out, that dude. was a game changer because the graphics on the Genesis were far better. I was a
1: Genesis guy, and a lot of my buddies were Super Nintendo guys, but I fucked with
2: Genesis. I liked Super Nintendo. Um, Killer Instinct. I don't remember that, that one. That was a
1: fighting game. Oh, what about Altered Beast? Oh, Genesis. God. Well, what did we say at the beginning? Days. Like, rise. <laughs> I don't like, there was some God voice at the beginning of the game. You're like, oh, oh, fuck, you know what I love? Uh, Streets of Rage. Oh, and I yeah. love the soundtrack on Streets of Rage. I mean, it's, it was produced there was, by uh, oh, Alan so Vega. I, oh, shit. <laughs> Alan Vega
2: did it. I mean, I don't know if you knew that.
1: Oh, uh, There are some jams on Streets of Rage. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective,
2: that's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective, the only podcast you crank up to 11.
0: Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy, it's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark
2: underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And decent with Kiki Anderson,
1: where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah.
2: Do you do you still play games? Do you still play? Nah, video man. Games?
1: What's crazy? It used to be such a big part of my life. Yeah, I loved video games. And all the way up until PlayStation and Xbox, I think. And then what happened was I moved out here. Once I moved out here to pursue this and all that, I just felt guilty playing video games. I I just couldn't reason it where I'm like, oh, I'm not where I want to be. I can't see myself playing video games because I'm not where I want it, so I kind of let it go. Yeah, just because it felt like it could be a time a time suck.
2: Yeah. Oh, dude, I talked to like Soder, <laughs> Soder, and like and Big J mm-hmm. and all my buddies in New York. Like, they still fucking love video games, and I'm like, if yeah. I had, they're like, why don't you fucking? Eric get... Griffin's
1: like that too. Bobby loves video games. Yeah, but
2: if they're like, if I would get a fucking really up to date, whatever the newest console is, an Xbox, yeah. fucking, I'm so X, behind. I'm so behind. Yeah, but I'm... if I would get one and would get like online and be able to play them, I would get nothing done. I barely get anything done now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the idea. Um, but yeah, so this song could also more broadly represent the pressure on men to be macho while also desperately seeking love and compassion. That's what I got mostly from the lyrics. Because and I want every all the listeners, especially the the female listeners out there it sucks being a guy, dude. God forbid mm-hmm. we tell a girl we like her a little too soon, oh, yeah. and then they're fucking gone. You know, I want to do a bit about this,
1: how like sometimes I'll match with a girl on one of these apps, you know? And I'll write like, hey, and I'll get nothing. And I'm like, what happened between the match <laughs> yes, and dude, hey? Know, dude. How did I fuck up? <laughs> I, I, Was hey too abrasive? I, I, Was it too beta? Should I have been like, sup, bitch? <laughs> yeah,
2: dude, I, I, I hate the apps. More yeah, than yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. I. I, the, I mean, the
1: only reason I do it is like it, it's it, it's easy to do, and we're so busy. It feels like you're kind of trying a little bit, you know. Yeah, so I, I don't put too much into it, but it's just funny. It's observational. Where I'm like, what happened between matching and high?
2: I I can't. I every time I match with the girl then I'm like, this is the one. This is the one I'm going to go out with. This is the one I'm going to take time out to meet. Yeah. And then you write the hey, and maybe their name, right? You know, and then they don't respond. But the ones that do respond are the ones you're like, oh, I was just checking to see if this thing actually works. And, yeah, like, yeah, I just liked yeah. them just because I wanted to – because I couldn't – all the girls couldn't like me. <laughs> right. So I got to just hit like, like, like. And you're like, oh, then you get you match with the one you want. And, and she's like, let's go out Friday. And you're like, Gah, dude, I want the hay girl. I want the hay girl, I want the one that doesn't want me. <laughs> you know, and I – I, especially when I drank, mm. it was, like, so easy just to be like, like oh, the oh my, dude, I used to get laid – so easily when I drank And it was just I, I mean people would ask me be Like dude how'd you You know you got laid last night I was like yeah dude Well how'd it happen I was like I don't, Dude I was that blockbuster video Picking out a DVD <laughs> And next thing I know I'm fucking I have no idea Went to the bar I fucked It's like it was just The easiest thing in the world And, and being sober And trying to Navigate it's, it's you know, I'm, I overthink. Now as I've gotten older, I have these neuroses and all my yeah. trauma and mm. my pain body, my fucking Eckhart Tolle pain body showing up. It's a pain in the ass, man. So what I'm saying, ladies, is just if we say we like you, yeah just go with it. Go with it. Just don't – no more games. Just mm. let us be – we'll be macho. We'll take care of you. And you also, you know – Understand that we are damaged too, and we just are looking for some kind of human connection in this world. Yeah, ultimately, that's all we want, and that is what I got from this song, Johnny. <laughs> See how oh, I spun it back oh, there? Yeah. We went off that's the a, that's, fucking rails. That's a nice in this bow fucking, that you put, we on. went spoogle like a motherfucker. All right. This next song does shy away from trying to be the sexiest song ever. It's called Girl, Track 5. Play Two Minutes In when Alan has an orgasm.
0: Oh oh girl. Mm, 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 mm,
2: Turn me on. Vega is just asking to be turned on over (laughs) the music from Tetris. (laughs) Play the music from Tetris real quick. <laughs> oh girl. Oh. Oh. oh girl, you know I need to Oh come on. Oh yeah. Turn me sideways. Turn me sideways again. Alright, it's simple, it's it's coldly sexy, it is spiraling. Uh, those are my buzzwords yeah. for the song.
1: I would uh, love to go to a karaoke bar and do that one.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: Oh, turn me on, turn me on! Oh.
1: And people are like, "What's with this guy?" Go, no, he's actually doing a pitch-perfect rendition. <laughs> mean, he's he's or, killing it.
2: There's one person in the audience like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah dude, you, fucking suicide." You just dude. don't know suicide. <laughs> this guy's killing it. Oh. <laughs> so this is what I found out when we when we when we went through the research. Me and Morty said this song was designed for all the ladies in the room. To include their underwear with the bottles, with the coins, and the other junk to be thrown at the band while they're performing. He wrote this song, so they this is like this is basically him saying to these weird goth girls that are definitely in the audience, it's "like Come on, girl, <laughs> throw your corset up here, <laughs> <laughs> like fucking just the most." So
1: it's the oddest call and response yeah. in music.
2: <laughs> when I say ooh, you say ooh, <laughs> ooh.
1: So how does he get the word out? Like, how do you know to do this at a concert? Does somebody, like, whisper, like, he wants you to throw your panties when the song comes on and throw the beer bottles?
2: Could you just imagine this being played, 1977, you're in a cool New York goth, like, sex club out of the movie Cruisin', fucking just weird shit, people are getting fisted in the corner, there's fucking, you know, Al Pacino (laughs) fucking doing a popper and, like, smacking his chest in a white tank top and tight jeans. That's basically the movie cruising everybody, <laughs> but like this, like this is playing, like this is it's sexy, yeah. regardless if it sounds ridiculous and we're making fun of it. This is a sexy song, mm.
1: you yeah. don't think? And we're not in the sex club, so we're taking it out of context.
2: Have you ever, have you ever been hit on the road? Like when you're on the road, you ever been hit on after a show?
1: Uh, a little bit, uh, not a ton, but it happens. Like this happened. I was doing Punchline, you know, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and some people are saying like, bye after this. they're Like, Oh, great. Blah, blah, blah. That's so funny I could get a picture. And then there was this like older lady. It was funny. Like she just kind of like, she's kind of like held my arm for way too long <laughs> and just like looked at me. It was such a weird thing. Like it was so obvious. Just like, bye. And just lingered for like so long. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: bye. And she just kept looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Like I-,
1: I didn't take the bait or whatever, but it was, that was interesting.
2: Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, it's funny because people assume that you know every comic gets hit on after the show, and I have been.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I, I mean, you know, at forty, when I'm on the road, it's like it's like for the most part, as soon as the show's over, especially if I'm doing a goddamn comedy jam, yeah. I just want so to go. Why? Bed. I want to eat. Yeah, I'll I'm sell hungry. the sex on stage when I'm singing yeah, "Lightning like- <laughs> Crashes" by Live. That's when you get the lovemaking. You don't get it the, when I have to share a hotel room with Avery Pearson. <laughs> fucking, you, you don't mind Avery in the corner, do you? He's a heavy sleeper. And Avery's you know, just his, like, His Whoa. eyes are open. <laughs> Give it to me. Yeah, he sleeps with his eyes open
1: and with a boner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. All right. That's great. Frankie Teardrop is the next song. Uh, this song is dark. As fuck, it almost reminds me of Jim Morrison's uh, "The End." You know that song? He's got that like long uh, Oedipal rap Uh in it. So uh, before we play it, this song is almost tuneless. It is just repetitive. It is a static drone. It almost sounds like the vacuuming of a carpet in the next room. Do you know what I mean? It's just I love that stuff. There is that's your favorite. I mean, that's That's my favorite genre. Think you don't have to feel.
1: Think you feel clean,
2: dude. Q <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Calvin Klein Eternity. <laughs> so Alan Vega doesn't sing in this song; he, he sings, kind of. He it's speaks and he, he came shudders. Before
1: and he was his wife, he
2: came in, girl, and now he's screaming. Uh, so the song tells the tale of a desperate factory worker who, after becoming destitute, descends into insanity and shoots his six-month-old child, his wife, and then himself. Just, this, like, predates Eminem. Yeah, dude, just light shit, nothing heavy at all. Mm. Uh, what follows is the title character's ordeal in hell as a result of his crimes, clocking in at over 10 minutes. This is a 10-minute song. The moment that makes this more than just a tragic story is when Vega, he tries to make some, like, weird universal point about Frankie's plight. So, Peter, uh, play 941.
0: we all Frankies. We're all
2: <laughs> Did you like this song at all?
1: No, I'm look again. It's one of those things. If I respect it, yeah. But uh, again, it's like I'm staring at the music. I'm not. Uh, yeah,
2: I-, I appreciate the storytelling. I appreciate everything about it, but. Um it's just, it's it's not something that you can put on. Like you're at a party and it goes from Show Me Love by Robin S. Oh Stavitz. my God. Yeah, imagine
1: bringing a girl back and you have like vinyl and you put it on. And you're pouring a drink. And
2: ah! like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we're all in hell. <laughs> all right. Aside from Lou Reed once saying that he wished he had written this, Bruce Springsteen found inspiration from this for his stark and sparse 1982 album, Nebraska. And especially the song Highway Patrolman, whose lead character is also called Frankie. I love that. I love that those are two serious influential people in music. I mean, you're talking Lou Reed from the Velvet Underground, you're talking Bruce Springsteen, fucking the the white Rick Ross. I mean, he's fucking the shit. Um, what's the best compliment you ever got from a famous person that you were surprised to find out was a fan?
1: Hmm. Surprised was a fan. I don't know, like uh I, I like that uh, you know Neil and I have been, become kind of close. Neil Brennan. Neil Brennan, yeah. And like his his co-sign and him vouching that that kind of meant a lot to me because he doesn't like a lot of people and he's very particular. and He's a great joke writer as well. Yeah. So yeah, I I really like that. I, I looked up to that when when like he fucked with my comedy. That that felt good. I was. And rem- then Burr, the Burr. Burr. I was going to say
2: out. that was going to say the Burr shout out. I always remember that. That was so random. What though. did he say? Do you remember? Because I, I don't remember. The, like I'll just fuck it up.
1: Uh, I think there were some some news outlet was uh, interviewing him and so it's in print or whatever and uh, they're like oh who do you like who are some of the like, young guys you like and then he, he mentioned me it's like oh I just saw like, the He-Man or the other night like you know funny guy great personality on stage I forget the, the entire quote but sometimes you don't think you even exist on certain people, people's radars, radars. yeah, yeah. He's, you know they're on a different level in your mind and When you find out they caught your set and they liked it. Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. It's fuel. Like, even Bird talks about it, even in coming up. Talk about Chappelle oh, I telling love that. him, he "Like said, you're gonna like, make it's he gonna be a him different." Dope. Yeah, he he's like Chappelle.
2: Dope. He said Chappelle called him dope, and he's like, and that that him another. And he was button. saying
1: it's gonna be longer for you, yeah. like your road or whatever.
2: But when you pop, it's gonna be huge. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about you. Not not to not to kiss your ass because you know I'm a fan of yours, and you're also a good buddy, and I, and I love you. Thanks. But you have the I, I like to call it the Angelo quality, which is is every comic wants to watch your set. Mm. Like you have that thing where the audience because they're putting you up at like. the store you're putting it between like sometimes 11 and 12 and you get you saw the full house I'm
1: pretty uh, fortunate that the store is still one of the last places that you can climb comedically you know like the spots I get are the best I can get given my credits and I've done some stuff but I'm usually at the elbow of the show where it's like juggernauts of famous people and then me you know there's a few guys like that who are are right up there comedically but no one knows who we are yet so we're kind of on that elbow of the lineup at the comedy store so they'll see all these famous names and then boom me and the only thing to kind of like bump you up a little more is maybe like another TV credit or or yeah and you'll you'll get those
2: 100% the more you stay with it but if there is and I know this sounds stupid but and nothing against Jim Gaffigan but if Jim Gaffigan's in the main room Mm. and you're playing in the uh, in the OR and I have 10 minutes in between my set Uh I'm gonna go watch your set Thanks, man. Because I know it's just like it's it's I always it's it's like you're talking about that Lance Castopolis laugh. It's this guttural like you make, you bring there's only a few comics that make me cry laughing, <laughs> oh. watching stand up. Uh it's been you, Eric Andre, Tony Baker, and Angelo. I and love like I Burr. love all them. They're all great. Yeah. And I, and I put you up there. They're comics comics, man. Thanks. And um I know that was that's such a weird thing to say. Like, oh I'm a comics comic, or some people take it as an I insult, think, but
1: no, I like it. And I just love comedy and I love stand up and I'm such a purist that I think I don't know, my ascension or my trajectory is a little trying to analyze it, you know, I think it's a little like what box do I fit in? It's tough. Because we love comedy and we're in the clubs every night and we can we just see we don't even see people, we just see the comedy. We look beyond whatever the vessel is. Yeah. But I think we live in a time where it's kind of like it's more important what the vessel is than what's coming out of the person's mouth. Right? We're we're in such an identity politics, uh commerce, you yeah. know? Where my name's Sahim Anwar. There's preconceived notions as to like what type of comedy will come out, you know. And I just like funny. I'm, you know, I was born in Seattle. It's, I'm very American. You
2: might, you might mention being your Iranian,
1: uh, Afghan. Uh, you're my parents are Afghanistan. But, but, that. but, yeah, but yeah, that's but, just like a, a touchstone, like, or but, and it's more I like barely talking. Yeah, it.
2: when you do that, it's about like your dad watching you kids play NBA Jam and thinking it's <laughs> and a real game. It's real. Like, oh my god, he just yeah, flipped seven times sure. and
1: time. <laughs> But it's just the stuff I do is kind of the same thing you would hear from like. A white guy, but because my name is, so it's just weird. They don't know what to make of it yet. Like yeah. what boxes does it fit in? Like not brown enough for brown. And they're like, if he's just doing normal observations, can't we get that from a white guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Completely so it's this like... interesting time. So I like that you kind of just care about the comedy. Oh, I love it. It's, I... Just, it's such a slower burn, but I think it's more worthwhile in the end, because that's what I want to be doing.
2: <laughs> I just it just makes me happy when I hear you make this noise. Zzz, <laughs> zzz, yeah, yeah. zzz <laughs> like that like, like, sound like that's me. Oh, dude, Fahim's on fire right now. He's zzz. All right, final song on the record is just called Che, play
0: 117.
2: I didn't mind this. I didn't mind this song at all. I kind of dug it. This was, I think, possibly one of the best songs on the record. Uh, mm. You know, you you said it perfectly. Like this, you you stare at this, you study this, and yes. you know, I I gave this the amount of time that I felt like it deserved. I gave it, you know, about seven eight listens, and it's it's something like this where I was before you came over. I was even listening to it in my headphones, and I was like, Jesus, man, this is fucking good. Yeah. It's not, my, it's not my favorite thing ever. Uh-huh. I mean, I'd much rather listen to like Steve Earle or something else. Like, you know, we got Sam Cooke coming up and I'm kind of playing that. But it's like, dude, it's like these, these guys are artists and they're fucking showing you that they're artists. And, uh, and even when they, with the subject matter, because this is literally about Che Guevara, mm-hmm. the fucking Marxist revolutionary. Uh, and, it, and this, what I love about what they're doing is they're taking aim at those who worship him. And, you know, then and now and acknowledged they they didn't acknowledge all of his flaws. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this guy was a horrible person and people put this guy on T-shirts like, dude, he 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 murdered his political opponents. He jailed homosexuals. He eliminated the free press. Yeah. And 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 it's like literally it's like on the T-shirts. It's yeah. The opposite
1: of cancel culture. Very much. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: It's like, but that's the thing is that people you go to if you go into uh, you know a fucking college in you know in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right now, and I went you went dorm to dorm. I bet fucking what at least let's say a two hundred room fucking dorm five people have that 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 ch- that tacky Che right, poster yeah. up on the wall. Have you ever led a revolution? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm glad you asked. This is like Byron Allen's Unle- or comics on where I have. Yeah, funny you should ask. I did lead a revolution. I did. No, did you? I swear to God, in eighth How grade, so?
2: in eighth grade, we, uh, when I might see my eighth grade year, uh, Martin Luther King Middle School, we had uh, a, uh, we had a class trip at the end of the year to go to King's Dominion, the amusement park, and uh, there were a lot of fights that year. Like we constant people fighting because because where I grew up it's it's just it's a mishmash of different cultures mm-hmm. and it wasn't like there was racism or anything like that but we were very segregated it was like the black kids hung out with the black kids the white kids hung out with the white kids uh the you know the Asians hung out and the Indians and it was just everybody seemed to just have their group and yeah. there wasn't intermingling I remember dude when I started hanging out with the black kids I was like I can't listen to heavy metal anymore. And I took all my heavy metal tapes and brought them over to Ryan McLaughlin's house. And I'm like, I like N.W.A. and public enemy now. And that's ridiculous. So because of all these fights, Wayne Wiggum, our principal, took away our senior trip to go to King's Dominion. And so I, the next day after we had the the assembly where he announced that, I started the buzz. Let's have a walkout. Let's have a walkout. Shit. Let's have a walkout. The next day, fucking that bell rang for second period everybody walked out. Like maybe a few of the Asian, and the Indian kids <laughs> stayed because they really cared about their schoolwork. You know, you probably would have stayed. <laughs> you, you're I'd,
1: be, I'd, have re, I'd have to do a lot of soul searching to figure out what I would do. Really? You'd be like, yeah, know. I'm
2: so torn. I don't know. I might
1: do it. You would have done it. Yeah. Everybody did it. It was yeah.
2: a cool thing to do. And here's what's funny. It was like June 2nd fucking one of the hottest days sunniest days of the year we were out there all day until the buses came on june 3rd everybody was sunburned when we went to class every single kid unless they were wearing a hat which we weren't allowed to wear hats because they thought they were gang affiliates
1: right and they were because you guys
2: i don't think i've ever had worse sunburn in my life and i remember i always remember this the fucking germantown gazette showed up to take a picture of us and i'm and i'm in the front and I'm holding a sign because our school was MLK. <laughs> this is so gay. I wrote, I wrote MLK, Mighty Little Kids. <laughs> you thought you were a genius? I
1: was like,
2: you know, I was changed. I just flipped it. One Hit Thunder is a
1: podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog, and a new
2: episode each week. So pass the duchy. Make sure you're connected and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. So yeah, I was I led a revolution, but I'm leaving a re, leaving a revolution right now. All right, you want to do some facts and get out of here? Sure. All right. Uh, well, facts. Well, facts, facts. Johnny wants some facts. Fahim wants some facts. Suicide were the first band to advertise themselves with the word punk after adopting it from the music journalist Lester Bangs, who you guys might know is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman in Almost Famous, a real Dougal. Ooh, I made a fact fact. (laughs) (laughs) What one word would describe your early career?
1: Early career in stand-up or what? Whatever, dude. Uh, give me one word. Just give guess, it I, come I one guess, word, I guess dance, girl. Cuz I loved, you know, that was my first entry into like performing. Cuz I loved Michael Jackson growing up. Yeah. And I would just try to dance like him. So that was my first uh foray into any type of performance dancing
2: I saw that video is not there one where you like did a flip off stage and like that was in
1: drama so like I was in drama oh, okay. it was for well, the musical and I was I, like
2: realizing death of the salesman fucking, <laughs> fucking I somehow convinced the drama teacher I just, I'm like I, I think we can really benefit from some flips why is Willie production. Loman doing, doing a semicircle backflip? <laughs> just just enjoy it <laughs>
1: yeah so I flipped off the stage uh, yeah it was closing night I was, so I was extra juiced I was yeah. hitting them every other night oh, I, saw so I was it. like oh this is closing night I really got to give it my all yeah. and i gave it my all over rotating and then i just <laughs> fell off the stage yeah so so
2: dance i like I guess that dance, yeah all right uh, after this album's release suicide made their first tour of europe to support elvis costello and the clash they regularly infuriated their hostile audiences including one infamous show in belgium that was immortalized in the recording 23 minutes over brussels due to the time it took for a riot to break out and stop their performance um... That's fucking badass, dude. I love I love when bands like antagonize the audience to try to get to him. whip him into a frenzy. Dude, like I that. just I just went to go see Limp Biscuit uh-huh. at fucking the oh, Roxy. Yeah. I think I and, saw some of the video. And it was so great. And it's like it's not Limp Biscuit of nineteen ninety nine, it's Limp Biscuit of fucking you know, everybody's forty. Sure,
1: but your nostalgia does a lot of the heavy lifting.
2: Yeah, and he's fucking like, dude, and fucking Fred Durst is like in the audience. He's like walking on this thing, he finds these girls' chicken tenders and he like throws them over his shoulders. You know, it's it's it was cool. Mm. But it's like, you know, he's dude she's thirty eight, she's not gonna do anything <laughs> like what the fuck is she gonna do all right what's the most dangerous show you ever played Most dangerous show
1: I, I never really like played weird ass shows where I'm gonna get beat up or anything like that you know what I mean okay what's the
2: worst show you ever played
1: worst show I mean probably probably the Apollo when I got booed when I was like 17 or 18 yeah I think I was like 18 18 or 19 and the Apollo theater was doing this amateur night on tour so then, I think I was like a year into a comedy, and but I was pretty good. I was pretty good early on. Like I had jokes and stuff, and so I auditioned for this thing, and then I get it. Like they genuinely liked me. I, like me. I, like I did well, and then so I was at the Paramount Theater in, in Washington. It's like it's our biggest theater, and then I, I'm the only comedian on the show, and then I have this joke. Uh, I was gonna th- open up with hip hop stuff, and then the producer was like during dress rehearsals, like, oh, you should do the Afghan stuff up top. I don't know if that was sabotage or not, but it's like this is kind of like after nine eleven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'm half gay. Blah blah. And we're like, boo, boo, and then like, it's not like music where you hit a high note and drone them out. Yeah. Like, if you you're doing spoken eat. word and you get some booze, yeah, you, are not it. clawing yeah, out of that. You feel it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, boo, 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 and like, boo. and then, yeah, I get booed off, <laughs> and then I'm just chilling in the stairwell trying to like make sense of it because it's so surreal to get booed by that many people. Uh, I've
2: never been booed like ever. Like
1: oh yeah, well because it's it's people will always ask you that too, you know like oh you do comedy, you ever get booed like normal people? That's such a like do you ever get tomatoes thrown at you? Like yeah. these are such cartoon. Has responses. Sandman
2: ever came by with a big fucking <laughs> oh, oh, hook and pulled you off?
1: Only me, but I didn't wait for him. I'm like I know that's how <laughs> like, this works.
2: Like, I know. The Sandman. Yeah,
1: take yeah, a break. Yeah, Don't worry, should, dude. Yeah. I, I got it. <laughs> take five. I got this. He was like, but
2: that's my thing. Yeah, not not
1: tonight. <laughs> I have some dignity <laughs> You know I'm gonna leave With whatever yeah. dignity I have left With my own legs Yeah um, So yeah It's a very foreign concept not, It doesn't really happen To anybody But I'm ve- I'm kind of fortunate In hindsight That that happened So early in my career And then To still be doing it Because comedy Is not a Pleasurable thing Like that th- For some people Some people get Just a fraction of that Yeah Just silence at an open mic When those are like Zero stakes And hardly anybody And they're like I'm never doing comedy again but to me to have that nuclear emotional version of that and to still be like, All right, still gotta go up that, that really let me know like, oh, I'm programmed this way or this is just something I have to do. Yeah, I have
2: to dude, I you know what, I, I said I didn't get booed, I got booed. Uh I did uh I did forty five minutes of stand up at a rave. I've told this story on the podcast before mm-hmm. and and probably like five minutes in. Uh, booze People started Throwing shit at me uh-huh. So I get it Yeah and, but, and, I, and I remember I did the craft And I told that story And Jay Larson said Were you getting paid I was like no He's like Why didn't you get off And I said Because I felt like It was a rite of passage uh-huh. I felt like I had to do it And if I got through it I'm a comic yeah. And if I get off I'm a bitch you know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that you you didn't wait for Sandman, you were just of like, course. "Hi, man. Uh, I'm good. I got my booze," and you got right back on that fucking totally. the comedy train and did it. Good for you, man. Hey, thanks,
1: man. And you realize there's context around it as well, like circumstantial. Afterwards, you go, like when shows don't go well, it's a couple fold. There's one, you're a novice, you know, so you don't have all the skills yet. There's that, and then there's also, um, maybe it was a. Like it was Monday Night Football or something. You don't know these things when you're younger. Like you can't – you don't know why maybe you're not connecting. Yeah. And then as you do stand-up longer, you kind of you, – you have more plays in the playbook. You've seen it before. Yeah. Oh. everything everything is so foreign when you're, when you're younger. Well, I don't. I don't like feel like when you do well, you don't know why. When you do bad, you don't know you why. You have no, it's no just idea. Such a crapshoot.
2: Yeah, but now it's like I can start a set horrible, and then by yes, the end of it, I'm killing. Totally, and it's like I don't bomb anymore. Yeah, I, I have, yeah. I have sets. I'll have better I'm, sets than others. Yeah, I, exactly. It's like where I'm just like, like I did, dude. I remember I did the comedy store on my birthday, mm-hmm. main room. It was my show, and I mean, for the first three minutes, I ate shit. Yeah. I mean, to the point where I stopped to go. This isn't going well at all. <laughs> I was like, "Jesus." I and mean, that got me present and that got the audience to laugh and then once like, you oh, hear that oh, how is he self-aware? Cuz yeah. if you're an
1: autopilot and eating shit, which we've all done yes. when we first start. Cuz you don't know any better. Well, I've, you don't I've, have any other tools to rely on or you don't know that being present is such a big part of it as well. I had
2: I had two big shows where I where I where I went from being completely oblivious, not oblivious but just not bringing it up, which is a Hot Tub the first time I did it mm-hmm. and where I ate shit. And then I stopped and I went, you guys hate me. And then I got a big laugh. Mm-hmm. And then I tried. Then I got one bit in that did well. But I carried that bomb around until I did it again. Like th- almost. That was 2013. I did it in 2017. The end of 2017. Mm-hmm. And it was like. It was. I crushed. And it was just like that weight. Like I cried afterwards by Whoa. myself. Like in my car. Even. Dude, it's like mm-hmm. I can't. I, my, I, my pain body mm-hmm. is thick, Bro. Like I gotta fucking keep staying in the now. I got to Eckhart Tolle this shit. I got to Four Agreements this shit. I got a fucking autobiography of a yogi this shit. I can keep going. Yeah. I got ninety self help books just to get me somewhat present. Uh-huh. And and it's it's a beautiful thing now. Yeah. You know, it's 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 sad when you when you when you eat shit, especially on a big show. Dude, I, I almost ate shit at New Faces. Like, the first fucking, it was six-minute set, first three minutes. Those
1: were, are always, it's such a crapshoot to hit that out of the park, that New Faces is just such a pressure. Tim trigger. Dillon did.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Jack yeah. Knight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Those are all great.
1: They're great. Um, yeah, I, they're, yeah, everyone's path is so different, and there are many ways.
2: I know, but, yeah, that's the worst. Mm. A, bomb.
1: a bomb? A bomb on a hot show? Here's like, the thing. No one remembers bombs. Like, they'll only remember when, when you do something good. They won't even remember that thing.
2: Yeah I guess you're right
1: No one, no one's like Did you guys see that bomb Like two years later Like no one remembers anything they, People only remember the good
2: No I, I I think you're right To an extent I remember the bombs You mm-hmm. remember it. That's the problem Is that you remember Because you live it, in your bag that, of skin Every exactly, day Exactly And you remember Because you hold I, I used to I try my best to drop these baggage Now at the door Before I leave the house But it's like you It's something that you have to work on Yeah You know I, And I, I like think you said
1: What happens happens and you can learn from it, but you have no control over it yeah. and you know that you can obviously try to have the best and have love and and do do the best show you can every time you go on stage. But whatever transpires, transpires. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. But, you know, there's always the next show and and you always learn from like yeah. you wanna be the comic you were without the bombs.
2: Oh, a hundred percent. All right. Final fact. Alan Vega would regularly carry a bike chain and razor blades on stage, not just for protection from an angry crowd, but to harm himself to shake an audience out of complacency. I also found out that Alan Vega would would lock the doors of the venue so people couldn't leave until after their show was done. I
1: gotta I gotta implement that. I mean I'm gonna have razor blades too. Like if I if there's a couple talking, I just like cut myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah!
2: Listen to these jokes
1: <laughs> You complacent? <it. laughs> I have a car battery hooked up to my ball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> what What is the farthest you've gone or would go for your art? Mm, the furthest I've gone. Because you're not. I mean, you're just straight stand up. Well, then you have the character. Nah, I, mean. I do have these. Uh,
1: sometimes I don't know. Maybe recently. You forget, um, or I'm starting to realize or embrace more, that stand-up is kind of this open canvas. You can view it as the stand-and-deliver. Sure, you can do that, and that's what everyone expects. But it's this blank space up there. You can do literally anything. And sometimes I'll have these great ideas for these outside-the-box set pieces, you know? And I'll do them sometimes. There was one time I went on stage as, like, Dirty Seinfeld, you know? Because you could do some really experimental stuff at the comedy store. So I had a was during the open mic. And I had the Seinfeld theme on the CD. They go, guys, we have this crazy drop in, and everyone's so excited, you know. Yeah. And the MC's like, uh, he hasn't been here for years. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dirty Seinfeld. And then it's like, and I come. I'm like, hello, who oh, I say, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do all these weird things. There was another one right. where, you know, I love music, and I was listening. I was at the laundromat, and I heard this Kenny Logan song, and I I just really fucked with it. It was so so good. I would never heard it before. Which one was it? So, and I just just had this idea to do on stage, so at the end of my set, here, I want to go a few of these, because these are making me happy that I forgot these bits I used to do. So... At the end of it, I'd be like, you know, I'm glad you guys like the comedy, but I, I'm actually classically trained in dance. That's kind of how I started. And um, and then I had a plan for, like, one of the door guys be like, dance! Like, in the <laughs> main room. I'd be like, I'm, I'm not going to dance. Like, I mean, these people don't want to see me dance. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd be like, no, no, dance. And i go, Sigh. even if I wanted to, I'm not wearing the right shoes for it. And then I'd have them throw a pair of shoes on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they just they just, they just just land on my feet. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm a size nine. What are the chances that these are, a si- oh, they're size nine? <laughs> 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 and then I, I go, should I, should I put them on? Yeah. And the audience is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I put them on, and I'm like, oh, well, even if I wanted to dance, there's this very specific Kenny Loggins song that I usually dance to that, <laughs> and, and then it, it comes on. Like, dance, yeah, yeah. Dance, and then I just stare off into the distance <laughs> like I'm in a trance, <laughs> and then I just start dancing to this Kenny Loggins song. That's so great. So it's so much exposition, just. Yeah. P- and it started with, I want to dance to Kenny Loggins. And I built this whole thing around it. And it's uh, so fun. And yeah. it's such a departure from regular stand-and-deliver comedy.
2: That's what you said. Key, you said the buzzword. You said it's fun. It's fun. And, and, that's and, what, and that's what this is supposed to be, man. It's supposed to be fun. You're so fantastic. All right. Uh, final thoughts on Suicide Suicide.
1: Um, <laughs> I respect it. I think we've covered it. We re- I respect it. I wouldn't uh, just turn it on to Jam too. No. But I could see how it is at the top of the tree of a lot of electronic acts that came after. Yeah. So I, I owe a lot to suicide, even though I can't appreciate it on yeah. its on its surface level. Yeah.
2: I couldn't agree more with yeah. you. Yeah.
1: I appreciate it as an influencer to bands that have evolved into
2: something more my speed. You said it. You said it perfectly at the beginning. Uh I, I say this to all the, the fleece army out there. Listen to the record. Appreciate what this is. You you might like it, you might not. uh, But one thing I did like was being able to sit down and talk to you. This was so much fun, yeah. This was so much fun on so many levels. Um, Q. (laughs) Polo Ralph Lauren Black. I don't even Uh, know that many fragrances, dude. I love cologne. Uh, I love you, buddy. Thank you. Same, of course. Have a spookly doogly Christmas. It's the spookly doogly do. Fahim Anwar, Fahim Anwar Anwar. For all things Fahim, check out his website, Fahimanwar.com. He is at Fahim Anwar on all social media. And do not forget to listen to his podcast the Fahim Anwar Dance Hour on Spotify or all podcast platforms and check out his one hour special on Amazon. There's no business like show business guys. For all things 500 go to the website the500podcast.com email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and subscribe on Spotify or your favorite platform to listen to this podcast weekly. And if you're doing it on any other one that takes rates and reviews, leave a comment about how much you enjoy this. Now, we just listened to Suicide from 1977. From new music this week, our music director, Maddie Pinfield, little Maddie Pinfield selected prayers prayers are a new cholo goth duo i love that cholo goth duo hey holmes are you depressed they're from san diego who are breaking down both goth and cholo traditions they include suicide as an influence and have been on tour with the cult because ian asbury is a huge fan They are both immigrants who moved at a young age and are affiliated with one of San Diego's OG gangs. They love music and have pioneered a movement, giving not only themselves an identity, but many of their fans. Check out their track, From Dog to God, on Spotify, and you can find that on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you are directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send your song to 500podcasts at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line next week. Is the Pogues Week with their 1985 album, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. And that's exactly what I asked for Christmas this week. You've got homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify. Do your homework. Have a spoogly doogly Christmas. Stay fleecy.
1: and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road.